Shot is no good. The rebound tapped back outside. The cannon drives the lane. Blocked by Wolf. Rebound Pennsylvania. Dave Wall. The Bilski's Leon to the wall in the middle. Up and good. Leon too fast. Greg executed the perfection. Here comes Fields the other way for a foul. Gets to the foul line. Blocked from behind by Wall. Wolf with the rebound. No good. Rebound. Bob Wolf. Pennsylvania. Hot left pass to Bilski. Take the center run again. Bilski has Calhoun and Wolf all the way underneath. To be no good. Welcome to Penalty Box. I'm Sam Mitchell here, as always, with Carter Thompson and Mark Margolis. And today we're talking about a very exciting Penn basketball weekend. Penn men's basketball with a huge win over Harvard in the final game of the Ivy League tournament. Headed to the NCAA tournament um, as a 16 seed going up against number one seed, seeded Kansas. And we're also going to be talking about the women's crushing loss to Princeton. Uh, so let's get started. Wow, I, that is the best basketball game I've ever been to. And thankfully, I was not put on at, to cover the game because as a fan, that was literally an incredible experience. That was the best game I've ever seen Darnell Foreman play, at least that first half. That was unbelievable, 19 points. I mean, without this, this game this game's a blowout without him. Um, that stretch, I think he went where he hit all those threes, especially the one at the end. I mean, I'm pretty sure I fell out of my seat at that point. You, uh, our editor, Yossi, was right behind me. He had to like, lift me up. Um, I think that's a, we got to talk about the fans, too. I mean, we can get to that later, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Uh, the Pleasure hasn't done it. The Pleasure has, has been more packed, but it has never been that lit. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, uh, our producer and sports editor, Yossi, is in the room, yeah, as hello. well as we're joined today by sports editor Cole Jacobson. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to my debut session. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just a really incredible win. You know, a lot of strong performances. But uh, let's get down to the details. You know, you mentioned Darnell Foreman. He had an incredible game. Also, you know, A.J. Broder, obviously not unexpected, but I mean, he balled out. Uh, and just, just all around team effort, I, I think, it, you know, there's a lot to be happy about from this game. I mean, I think the biggest thing Darnell did when he went off and – so what happened? So Justin Bassey is the best defender Harvard has, and when Darnell Foreman went off, they switched him off of Ryan Bentley, who had a relatively slow first half, and they switched him on to our facilitator and Darnell Foreman. And Darnell ended up scoring the second half, but that left so much more room for Ryan Bentley. He finished the game with seventeen points. Um, he finished around fifty percent shooting, which is a pretty solid mark. And the biggest thing, so the biggest thing that breakout performance did was it basically got their best defender off our best perimeter offensive player. And that right there is probably one of the biggest differences in the game. And one bit, one interesting storyline, uh, we didn't see a lot of Max Rothschild this game, only 14 minutes. Uh, he didn't record a point. But that goes back to just, you know, the four-guard lineup was really working. Caleb Wood saw the majority of the minutes off the bench, 12 points. Uh, I think everyone saw who watched the game the ridiculous uh, and one three-pointer. Back-to-back threes. Back-to-back threes. The biggest shots of the, yeah. the season, probably. The biggest shots of the season. Once again, I was down on the ground in my seat. I was being pulled everywhere. I mean, I, talk about a momentum swing, right? Like, that place was rocking. That was to put us up three, correct? Well, yeah. they had and then one to tie it first. They had one to tie yeah. it and then one to put us ahead. Yeah. Right. Just to, uh, what, what can you say? I don't know what you can say about that, but... I mean, I think the most important point of the game, though, came early and or not early, but earlier in the latter part of the first half because, you know, we were getting just beat up and Harvard had all of the momentum. And then all of a sudden, Penn just starts climbing their way back and then goes on this ridiculous 16-0 run. 
capped off by a ridiculous yeah. three from Darnell Foreman. You call it a Darnell Foreman versus Harvard run. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just outstanding. They extended it in the beginning. Twenty four out. Yeah, the pass. Twenty four out. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the that was the turning point. I think that's where Penn. I mean, they didn't necessarily win the game there, but they didn't let the game get away from them because I think if Harvard kept that momentum and Penn was down maybe 10 at the half, this is a completely different game. And I don't think that run happens in any building other than the Palestra. Like, if you go down 10 like that, you're not going on a 24-0 run unless you're playing in front of... And Donnie Don talked about that after the game, correct? He was very candid about it in the press conference. He said, there's no way the building doesn't make a difference. And he talked volumes about how even at bigger stadiums, they don't rock the way the plus rocks. He said, even though it's only a thousand people in the plus it's still just something it's different very, about it's very it. Compact, right. And it's a really the beautiful. Acoustics. The acoustics. Uh, the acoustics. <laughs> the acoustics. As much as Darnell Foreman, <laughs> that's a headline. Acoustics and Darnell Foreman carry Penn to win over Harvard. But it really and is. And he said he he coached at Boston College. He's played games at Duke. He's played at Kansas. He said this is something different than Cameron Indoor Stadium or Fog Allen at Kansas. He said it's. Its own experience, and he said that's a big factor in why we won. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, matchups to watch out the game was Chris Lewis, uh, first team all Ivy against our own first team all Ivy, and AJ Broder. Mm-hmm. Um, both finished with sixteen, although uh, Broder definitely killed him on the glass with ten to four. Um, but I mean, that was a heavyweight matchup. Heavyweight. Those were two. Yeah. Those were two big, strong boys going at each and other. Neither, interestingly, I, I mean, I, we can talk about why both coaches decided to do that. They didn't send a lot of help, you know. Well, that's, both, I think they're both they're equal opponents. They're I mean, equal, but both were scoring pretty much not at will, but both were having their way down low offensively in their own rights. Well, and neither team really had any interest in well, doubling. The big, well, the big problem was when Yale tried to not double team Broder is that Paul Atkinson, their their forward, cannot stay with AJ Broder. Yeah. And it was it was absurd for Yale's coach to think that, you know, one that one of their front court guys could stick Broder one on one, and you saw him go off for twenty five yeah. and ten. Chris Lewis is every bit the player AJ Broder is. I mean, I have the pen bias, but I mean, I mean, it was many, two great big men just going. It was two yeah. great Ivy League big men. Though that's going to yeah. be an interesting battle to watch. And yeah, I actually thought just watching the game that Lewis was. Uh, better on defense than Broder, I, but I think um, you know Broder's a good passer, and and he all had a lot of really potent offensive weapons to pass to, That's especially true. you know kicking it out to Caleb Wood, kicking it out to the other guards who who could reset the play, yeah. and just all this diff- all these different things. You know, I I, I think th- you know that there there was significant production from both of them, but you know I think Lewis was doing his best. I think a- I don't think Amaker coached a bad game. Tommy Amaker, uh, the uh, the Harvard coach. I mean. Because they have, I mean, Penn has a lot of potent wing weapons, and a lot of what te- what other teams can't get away with that don't have the depth um, that Harvard does is when they sat when they either they they pick their poison. They're either gonna double team Broder and let the wings go off, or they're gonna not double team Broder and have him kill you in the front. And then Donahue made the same decision. Basically, he said, "We're gonna make Chris Lewis beat us," and he almost and to did. Certain extent, he did, yeah. but he said, "We're not gonna let their shooters beat us." And I, I don't know how many three pointers, and they definitely made their threes, but. They, they shot. I mean, they, they shot. Had some of them shot, late, though. They shot nearly forty percent from three. I mean, they, yeah, like, they, they made three, but you know, they have four. They're surrounding him with four players who are capable of knocking down a three pointer. And oh, you! I don't think. I don't think you can leave. I, Donnie, both coaches made the right decision yeah. not to double in the post because you. And I mean, a lot of times Harvard went zone to account. Uh, we were calling that out from the stands when we saw it, but yeah. the players, I'm sure, on the court saw it themselves. Yeah. But, I mean, there's so many – both teams have so many perimeter weapons, and both teams can defend on the perimeter really 
and we haven't talked, we haven't given Antonio Woods enough credit for the way he's stuck on Towns. And Towns left the game a little early with an injury. I'm not sure exactly what it was. It looked like a knee injury. But he, he got his 13 points, but he held him 5 of 14 shooting. I mean, it was, and every, he was working for every bucket, and he was taking him out of the flow of the offense. And what, Seeing the way Antonio Woods defend, I mean, and he forced him into a couple of air balls too. You don't see exactly. many air balls from Seth Towns. But. Seth Towns won Ivy League Player of the Year, and I deservedly so. He was the best player in the conference yeah. this year and provided a huge lift for them after their uh, best freshman from last year, his classmate Bryce Aiken, went out with an injury. So I, I mean, we're gonna. I think we're gonna see this championship matchup for years to come. You know, barring upsets in the tournament, but these are. I mean, for years to come. Especially the next two years, these are the two best teams talent-wise in the league. The two best teams, but it's never a given. Entering the year, we all thought Princeton was maybe one of the best two teams. We all thought Yale, obviously Mackay Mason goes down, that's a factor. But it's a league that across the board has improved, and you see how good this class of 2020 is across the league. So you got to have these two as your top two as of now, but you can't call it a given that yeah. this is going to be I mean, the only the, thing the I, mean, I think that both teams are carried by their sophomores. You know, I, I mean, that's the big, that's, yeah. that's the thing I was alluding to is yeah. that they're – they're, they're young cores too. Yale, yeah. Harvard, Harvard's not graduating a graduating a single rotation player, and Penn's only graduating Foreman. Uh, well, Foreman Jones, Wood, that's two double figure scores. Caleb Wood, that's true. That's true. One and starter, one starter, and, and Captain Mac. So they're graduating three players that are in the rotation. And I Sam think Jones. it's more than the rest of the league. Most of the rest of the league. Yeah, well, but th- I mean, they're they're returning a lot of their of scoring, course, yeah. and you know they're not. Well, look, they're, at who, look at who also has been at the end of the bench. I mean, you have Donahue as been out of the rotation. Okay. Is Don, Don? Like I think Donahue's. We've seen. I mean, his freshman year yeah. put up nine points a game. He's def- He's capable of filling Caleb Wood's spot next yeah. year. But enough about. I mean, we have to enjoy the moment now. Yeah, yeah, that's a, We got some good freshmen coming in that year too. But we'll, we'll worry about that. Not just freshmen coming out. in, but keep in mind, shout we won the Ivy League championship, and we did it with almost no freshmen. Yeah, class. No, Eddie, Scott, our, Eddie our, Scott hasn't played in two months. John Williams, Williams did not play once. Yeah. Mark Jackson. Didn't All right, play we got once. a lot to look forward to yeah. in the next couple of years in, in University City. But uh, uh, let's also so you know one interesting point. So obviously Penn's the Ivy League champion, but they drew a 16 seed, and you want you got and the viewers are curious. The last time. That an Ivy League team, an Ivy League champion, drew a 16 seed was 1989, when Princeton nearly upset Patrick Ewing led Georgetown in a game that yeah. nearly saved that saved NCAA March Madness as we know it. Yeah. So going into that, um, I would say know, crazier things have happened before, but I don't know if there's ever been. So no, I mean like yeah, the, I mean, the context is crazy. So basically, if Princeton didn't play a competitive game, there was realistic possibility that the Sun Belt, the Ivy, and all the lesser conferences were going were not gonna be able to send an at large team to the tournament. But Princeton played an incredible game, loses by one to a, a Patrick Ewing led Georgetown team. This is I mean this is the same guy who's a Hall of Famer, all many time all star with the Knicks and yeah, no rings. No rings, fair enough. No ring. I, I didn't he say any for the Knicks. Yeah. I didn't say NBA <laughs> champion. But um and yeah, they were uh, so. There's a great documentary on Sports Ill uh, that SI Feature did. You can find it on YouTube, but it's it's the game that saved March Madness as we know it. And so, and and, and even looking at recent Ivy League history, I mean, um, the last time Penn made the NCAA tournament, which was 11 years ago, um, they were a 14 seed, and and in that time, no Ivy team has even been a 15 seed, let alone a 16 seed. So you know, it, it sort of seemed like. Uh, the Ivy League was gaining steam and maybe getting a little bit more respect, but uh, 
apparently not this year. I mean, I think what really surprises me is that I mean, I think Princeton last year had a better they they had a better season. Princeton than was a better had a better they season. They had a better 100%. season, but you know they got a twelve seed, and you know we're one looking one less loss, one less loss, and they had a twelve seed. One less loss overall, two less Ivy losses. I mean, yeah, Penn. Uh, you know, I, you know that to be fair, that could be a big difference. But I was, you know, I was I was running the DP Snapchat. Uh, Yossi and I were at the uh, were at the watch party, and I almost didn't whip out my phone when the Kansas line because I was like, we're not gonna play. They're not gonna match yeah. up against Kansas. And then there pops up Pennsylvania, and everyone's going crazy. And I I can't name names, but I can hear. I heard one of the players say like, you know, like happy to be in, but like the seat is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, we're Kansas, yeah. Kansas in Kansas. That's a tough matchup. You know, I was I was hoping for that. Lenardi had us before before the brackets were released that uh, to play uh, Cincinnati in a fifteen two matchup. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. But Cincinnati in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. It's a home game, man. <laughs> Cincinnati. <laughs> they may convenient for more Penn students. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, I think that the sixteen seed just shows that the committee didn't watch Penn play a single basketball game all season. I don't think they even watched them play this game because it's just absolutely preposterous that Penn could be a 16 seed and have... To play the, and to play a one seed at home. At home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, just right, complete... Clear. Not actually at home, but... Uh, I mean, they're playing a bunch of drive Yeah, Kansas. I mean, the place yeah. is going to be... It's going to be a home game for Kansas. Let's, be Let's be just be honest. How many Penn alums or even Penn-affiliated people are in Kansas? I think it might be under 100. It's gonna be it's gonna be 90 percent Kansas fans and maybe 10 percent. I mean, I think probably 90 percent Kansas fans, 9 percent people that just like basketball. And then yeah, I mean, I think Penn fans are excited. I think someone made oh, the trip. Just, and but the the amount of people who would have made the trip if it was in Pittsburgh, Charlotte, Detroit, and Buffalo. I mean, all the you know San Diego. Like Penn fans want to go to these places. There's Penn fans even, in San Diego already. Is yeah. there even an airport in Wichita, Kansas, that we could fly into, or is this a bus trip? There's an airport site. We, we're, we're not here. We're not here. <laughs> Kansas is a great state. We're not here to hang out in Kansas. It is just inconvenient. It is an inconvenient travel destination for many Penn students, albeit on a Thursday. On a Thursday, so yeah. people are going to have to miss two or three does the days of class. Does the Ivy know I also, I'm yeah. also a student? Don't let that distract you from the fact that Kansas City is in Missouri. What is up with that? True. Right. Ridiculous. That's true. Ridiculous. 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 What's wrong with a lot of questions. Yeah. Major conspiracy going on right. here. So why don't we talk NCAA, a little... NCAA, it's USA government, like what's I, going on? I think on? this is what the FBI should really be investigating. Yeah. So why don't we talk Rupertino a little bit about... Rupertino got framed. Uh, yeah. I think we should talk... We should, uh, free Meek and Free Rick. <laughs> we should talk a little bit about uh, Kansas. So, I mean, let's be clear. They're a far more talented team. They have, you know, four- and five-star recruits up and down their roster. They have a very possible national player of the year in Devontae mm-hmm. Graham. And Guy's a stud. He's yeah. so good. This is a game where we are. I, <laughs> I am not predicting a pen upset, nor do I think this is likely. But hey, it's a non-zero chance. Might be less than one percent, but it's a non-zero chance Penn beats them. And the biggest thing that scares me, other than their overall, like, overall, you know, their overall, the overall talent gap is uh, their starting center. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but Udoka Uzabuki. It's it's Azabuke. Azabuke. Yeah. And. The big thing is that Penn's struggled to defend big men at times. You've, we've seen Chris Lewis and Stone Gettings, who are two of the best front court players uh, in the Ivy League, go off against us. And this is a guy, he's, uh, he's about seven, he is, uh, according to, he's seven feet tall. I mean, Max Rothschild's, what, 6'9"? Six, 6'9"? Nine? Six, nine? Yeah, at most, probably. Maybe, yeah. maybe 6'8", six, maybe six, probably 6'9". Six, it's a matchup problem, for sure. It is a huge matchup problem. I, I, I think... I mean, this is interesting to talk about maybe a little bit, but um, 
the roadmap. And he's to one victory. of their lesser offensive players. It's so like if you you can't double right. team him. Well, well, the roadmap to victory is maybe not dissimilar to what we were just talking about with Harvard, albeit with a much better team, which is Azubuke is going to get his. And we're gonna really have to shut down the guards, and then maybe we. But slow what, the game what, the, down. what the difference is is that Chris Lewis, especially when Seth Towns went out, was Harvard's best player on the court. Right. Uzi, we still didn't. Double Uzibuke him, is, you know, let's see. Let, uh, I got the chair. I think, think, think Donahue only. Don, well, Coach Donahue only has one option. I think. Got to bring out a seven footer. Mark Jackson's got to get some. Oh, oh, take <laughs> it. Unleash the boot. Get him off the boot. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, yeah, yeah, no, Sam, well, I think that's a good point where, I mean, whenever you play a team like this, you're just going to have to pick your poison to a certain extent, and I'll be interested to see what they do. I, you know, like, for the reasons we talked about, I don't think they're going to be doubling a lot. I think they have to recognize that Kansas has more dangerous offensive zone? players. Maybe a zone. Maybe I'm a not zone. experienced in a zone. The, the one, like the 1-3-1. The zones. one encouraging thing is, like, and this is why it kind of stinks that Kansas gets to play in Wichita, but, like, you know, they're, they, they rely on the three-pointer a lot, especially Devontae Graham. So if they have, just have a bad night, right. they go cold, that's the kind of, And, and Penn's a great three-point defense team. I think we had the best three-point defense. 28.9% for the season. I mean, I mean that's, it, a, that's incredible. Yeah. So you, you could imagine a situation where, uh, you know, Azabuke's scoring but getting beat up down low, and uh, Devontae Graham's missing a couple three-pointers at the top of the key. Caleb Wood gets hot. You know, the thing stays close to the end, and Kansas sort of starts to freak out because they're not expecting a tough game. From yeah, Penn. I mean, everything would really need to go Penn's way, but I'm, Penn, I am I want to be on the record. I'm not ruling out an upset. I am not ruling out an upset. I think it's possible. I think Penn can make history. Looking at I statistics, want to be on the I'm not a statistics major, but a 16-1 upset is due. It's it is due. A, it's a statistical anomaly that this has not happened. <laughs> Princeton almost did it, and we're here to finish what our our arch nemesis of yeah, starting. And, and hey, like Kansas is a weak, you know, it sucks to play them in we, week one seed. They're a weak, they're kind of weak one seed. I mean, I'd much rather. You are so wrong. I would rather. It's a year when the one seeds are that far and ahead of everybody else. I mean, Virginia you know, and Villanova, I feel like, have created some separation. Right, maybe, but, you know, no, like 2015 Kentucky is where it's like this team is so much better than everybody else. But we should also, I mean, Penn is a strong 16 seed. Oh, definitely, yeah. A strong, if any 16 seed could do it. We were discussing this in the office before. We did not check the facts on this, but maybe the greatest 16 seed of all time. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> because they deserve to be maybe. like a 14 or a 15. That's right. Why this, it's possible. That's why we have, done, we have think, done no research. I think, no, no, no. I think, I think <laughs> we I saw know that they are the best think, 16 seed of all time. I might be wrong. I think I heard that there were nine teams in the field that had were ranked lower in Kempom than Penn was. Right. Yeah. right. Um, Nineteen. That I mean, that's Ken, a fourteen. You know. Well, you know, Ken Palm. I mean, St. Mary's no, was course. ranked in Ken Palm, and, or nearly ranked in Ken Palm. No, of course, the of course. But it's, the big thing I think also look at is RPI. I think uh, it was Iona. No, it wasn't Iona. It was uh, Ful- Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. I mean, so there's one fifteen seed where Penn had a higher RPI. And they had a higher everything than yeah, higher everything. And you know, I think some uh, one of our other editors brought up in the office, but. I feel like the committee was, you know what, Penn's probably going to lose their first round matchup anyway. We don't really, it doesn't really matter where we slot them. We already had Harvard here in case they won. Yeah, you wonder about Honestly, that. Honestly, just literally, they you wonder about just, just like designating the Ivy slot. They slots. literally just designated the Ivy slot, assumed to be Harvard, and we're like, you know what, we're not going to spend another, you know, 10, 15 minutes rearranging the entire bracket. It's a real shame. We got to think about the timing. Like, 
we have, we have the Ivy tournament now. That means we're the last conference to decide who our champion is. And that means the selection committee has zero time to evaluate this team. They know you they know, found I, out I, at 3 p.m. Are you defending them or are you just saying... They should be watching the game, though. They, they should, should absolutely not ex- be watching yeah. the game. It was they a great have, game. They should have all the contingencies planned out. They got it. I mean... Well, they should have 100% been watching that game and the Tennessee-Kentucky you know, game that was basically going on It's a on shame because time. Penn is like... There's no excuse for the them The 15-16s are going to be so relevant to the national media, and, like, the selection committee is never going to have to explain. We're never going to fully know their reasoning for why That's they... True. You know, they explain... You know, they go on ESPN or Bracketology, and they explain... They're going to explain why Notre Dame was left out of the tournament. We're not going to get an explanation why... Yeah, even though it's they explanation, were, they always <laughs> kind of side... They always side stuff. They're like, oh, it was based on, you know... Strength of schedule and like <laughs> yeah. game control is just like buzzwords. Yeah, just, yeah but I'd, ra- I'd rather have I'd rather than yeah. throw out some buzzwords like right. that and to literally have nothing. nothing. All right, I mean we can keep talking about this, but you guys, but I mean let let's try to think positively. I, oh, I yeah. And Darnell is confident. Re- Darnell Foreman is confident. There's a reason why so we started if, this podcast. Like by the time most of you have probably stopped listening with all the positive stuff because we are, we are ecstatic. I remember yes. when I ru- when I rushed the court, somehow I was able to. Like sprint past the first row, left behind all the friends I was watching with, and ended up in the mosh pit, surrounded by all the players. So they're all pushing me around, waiting to get to their boys. I'll just say, and I'm just getting shoved yeah. around, yeah. like trying to, you know, get my like get my one like shoulder touch. I'll say two things: one, if Darnell's confident, I'm confident, just straight up. Uh, and two, this is just a little funny story. About an hour after the game, maybe a little more, I was I left the palestra and I was walking back towards the palestra for the women's game, and who do I see? I see Darnell Foreman and his family walking down Walnut Street with the trophy. He's just holding the trophy, the Ivy League trophy, walking down Walnut Street. Wow. Um, and it was, he was just, it was just a cool moment. Um, one of many cool moments. Now, does anyone moment. know, has the voting for National Player of the Year already taken place, or can we make a late push for Darnell? Darnell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Get him bold, definitely bold. No harm in sending it right an email. You might have, you might have to, uh, I don't know, score like, Triple-digit points, maybe over the next Triple couple games, <laughs> but um, you know, we'll see. I mean, at one point, the statue at least outside the cholesterol. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm half in Penn basketball history, possibly. I mean, at one point, he's been arguably our fourth best player. I don't know how that translates to player of the year, but um, I mean, ecstat- it is ex- and I mean, AJ Broder. I feel even from the DP doesn't get enough credit. You know. He's not always the one we interview after games because we expect another huge no. game. So we'll pick someone. That's true. You know, Adrian, Sam, yeah. Let's say Sam Jones goes off against Dayton. We're gonna interview Sam Jones because it was surprising when Sam yeah. Jones scored fifteen points. Yeah. Uh, right. A, a Broder, a, a Broder double double is not at all surprising. He's by far the most consistent player on the team, and I think yeah. I mean, I think he goes a little under the radar, but he got his due tonight. Ivy tournament player, uh, player of the tournament. Um. Well deserved. Well, definitely. Very well deserved. He got chance of MVP when he was coming down the net. MVP chance. MVP <laughs> chance. And on the free throw line. Or did he get him on? I don't remember if he got him on the free throw line. Yeah, well, as we're, as we're still talking about the NCAA tournament, let's, you know, let's shift focus from Penn to look at some of the other potential matchups and potential upsets on the side of the bracket. Um, you know, everyone always loves the spicy 12-5 upset. Statistically, the 9 always upsets the 8 the most. But I think that there are a couple a couple matchups that we think that are so you, a little you, more under the radar that I think people should know about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, my pick for this, if you're looking for um, so, something a little little off uh, or, uh, under the radar to, to put in your March Madness bracket, Charleston is the 13 seed over Auburn, the 4 seed. 
Uh, I think Auburn and really the whole SEC this season is uh, way overrated. Um, you know, Auburn was number one seed going into the tournament. They obviously didn't win the SEC tournament. And they're coming in at a four seed, which, uh, you know, I, I just feel is a little high. I've watched them a couple, couple times this season. You know, they've played all right. They don't really have great signature wins, especially lately. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that uh, the whole SEC is getting hyped up a little bit. But yeah. when, it, when it comes tournament time and they're going to have to really, really ball out against some serious opponents, um, you know, I think they could slip up. And I think Charleston's the team to do it. They played really well. They're mid-major, so a lot of people probably haven't watched them. But, you know, they won their conference. Have you watched them? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm. I'm so glad that you brought up the fact that the SEC is a little more weak this season because I I feel the exact same way. Florida started out this season ranked very highly, and then I think a lot of the teams in the SEC got credit for beating Florida, and then it was kind of like the whole circle of suck where they all just kind of beat one another and all end up very average. And they got I think it. we're going to name this episode the Circle of Suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like of all the things that have happened, the Circle of Suck would kind of be an inaccurate reflection of what happened this weekend. I, mean, I, I get the women's team lost in a heartbreaker in Princeton. We'll get to that later. But, I mean, come on, the Penn men's bat. Right. It was a Penn. great day for Penn bats. It's a great day. A great day. I have an essay due tomorrow. But other than that, <laughs> it's a great day. But, yeah, I mean, the SEC got eight, eight teams in the tournament. That is ridiculously high. Um, the ACC had nine. I think that they should have had eleven. Um, but similar to Sam, I'm I'm picking Florida to lose to St. Bonaventure, um, a nice oh. little eleven oh. six upset. And this Saint is Bonaventure over UCLA is an upset. Yes, exactly. And I think this is especially especially spicy because uh, the Bonnies still have to beat UCLA in order to get into the tournament. They're in one of the uh, the playing games initially to get the eleven seat, but. I think that they are very good. I think UCLA is not very good. Pac-12 has been kind of down all season. Yeah, and I think that Florida is just not good. I, don't, I think the SEC is not going to do well in this tournament. Um, I think Kentucky will do okay. But I think, that, I think that for the most part, a lot of upsets with the SEC. And so Bonnie's over Florida first round. I'm taking right. UCLA over Bonnie's. I'm calling you out right now. Oh, that'll... UCLA. I mean, there's some West Coast bias. The games are later. People don't watch. All right. You guys, think... all, you guys all pick easy stuff. Cool. The upset I'm going cool. with. UCLA lost their best player mid-season when Leangelo Ball left for Lithuania. Of course, well, he was going to average 100 points a game. <laughs> uh, he is a pretty There's big baller. There's an Ivy League connection on UCLA, too. Shout-out Thomas Welsh. Shout He's out. only slightly better than his uh, younger brother, uh, Henry. We don't even know his first name. We played against him today. It's, it's Henry. Yeah, Henry. Henry, uh, he saw a little bit of playing time. Uh, uh, probably got scored on by A.J. Broder. But, um, so my upset as my bold pick... Georgia State, 15 seed over Cincinnati. That is in your, uh, that's in the Oof. South region. And wow. That'll love Georgia State. Have I, watched Martin, jo- have I watched Georgia State play? No. Have I watched Cincinnati play? Only a little. But throw back to my junior year of high school. I'm in my trade class. And I'm, you know what? And this is when Georgia State, they got R.J. Hunter, who ended up being a draft pick for the Celtics. And I said, you all have to watch out for this. This 14-3 upset. I was calling it the entire week. Uh, I had lacrosse practice, come out, and what do I see? What do I see? I see the uh, the video of R.J. Hunter making that last-second shot over Baylor. And so, you know what? Georgia State has some tournament magic in their history, and so I'm going to go with Georgia State over Cincinnati. You know what? But other than, other than the inevitable, so besides the inevitable Penn-Kansas upset. Of course, of course. I, I actually like this pick a lot, and I'll tell you why, which is that uh, – 
I think I think some people don't know this, but Cincinnati actually has a huge crosstown rivalry with Xavier, who's the number one seed in I forget which region, um, one of them. <laughs> but I, I just think Cincinnati's spirits are going to be totally crushed here. They're big time crosstown rivals, getting the one seed, kind of playing second fiddle with that two seed. They're, and it's interesting. They're in different regions, but they're both playing in Nashville. So you right. want, yeah. And and Cincinnati got crushed earlier this season by Xavier in in their uh, yearly matchup. So really, what do they have left to play for at this point? I think they're just going to fold. You know. It's still a lot to play for, I'd say. <laughs> well, thanks. We're talking about upsets here. But yeah, upsets. about you one know, thing. Think... About Philly's a city of dogs. Yeah. And hungry dogs run faster. The dogs, man. That's so a good sign for us. Yeah. yeah last uh, time I checked, I don't think Can I don't think any player in Kansas has a Philly connection. So you know they they don't have that going for them. Yeah. You they do. Dogs. They do have to live in Kansas. All right. Two more upsets I want to I want to throw out. Although I feel like we basically thrown out every possible upset now. Stephen F. Austin over Texas Tech. Ooh, in Dallas, Texas, like you got you got two Texas. You guys teams. are really looking at that eleven fourteen matchup right there. This, this is three fourteen, three fourteen. No, but I'm saying, uh, no, but I'm it's saying, same yeah. section. Oh, same yeah. section. You yeah. got same. the eleven. You got I the same Bonaventure. I'll admit, I know nothing about Stephen of Austin. I just know that two years ago they had that guy. What was his name? Don't even remember. I his think name. he was a redhead though. Redhead like Mohawk, I think, carried them to the second so round. So the big takeaway uh, is that I'll, none I'll of watch. us have any real rationale for. Yeah, upsets. no. Well, uh, sure. I gave very yeah. sound yeah. rationale for mine. Yeah, well, <laughs> I haven't watched any of my team. Okay. I haven't and watched any of my team. And one more, which I have no rationale for whatsoever. Again, is Iona over Duke. Pen over Kansas. <laughs> uh, no, I have a lot of rationale for that. But anyway, Iona over Duke just because I feel like Duke is always. Uh, you know, the, Martin Bagley is really good. Iona over Duke. Get out of here. Get out of here. Duke either yeah, always <laughs> makes it to the Final Four or gets upset in the first round. Just ask CJ McCollum. I feel well, like that is just objectively I, 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 I not true. I feel like true. they often get upset, but not usually in the first round, especially not as a two-seed. It's happened they have, twice. No, they have. They've been upset by Lehigh. Yeah. Lehigh, and there's another uh, school too, right? Yeah, uh, Mercer. Mercer. Yeah, yeah there was a three fourteen, I believe. Yeah, I think he's right on that. But still early. Well, let's quickly let's just go around and get who wins, really quick. Who wins the NCAA tournament? Oh, all right. Yeah. Who's going first? Um, I can start. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I like the Virginia Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not exactly a spicy hot take because they're the n- number one overall team. But um, trying to pick a winner here. I, I've I've picked I, I've watched them a bit this year. Um, they have a lot of really good good players. Devin Hall, Kyle Guy. You know, not people that are necessarily flashy. Uh, not necessarily top ten future NBA picks, but um, they play really good team defense. They have guys who can, you know, score the basketball. They, they can shoot the three ball really well, and they just have a really good overall team. And, and I think they have that combination of, you know, a tough defensive team and guys that can get to the hoop, and, and that's just going to be what kind of carries them, you know, one game at a, game at a time. Pains me to say it, but I gotta take the Duke Blue Devils. I mean that team. You got all. You got their four freshman starters and Grayson Allen. I mean, what a way. Think about this. What a way for Grayson Allen to go out with, uh, you know, how he came out of nowhere his freshman year in that national championship game to as a senior, having an up after an up and down career, a couple tripping incidents. There might have been one today. I think. Did you see the hip check? Yeah, the yeah. hip check. Now he's moving on. He's moving up the body <laughs> to move people down. He'll eventually get to a headbutt like uh, <laughs> uh, that, that that French soccer player. Yeah, as a Dane. Yeah. But um, yeah, I see. You know, talent. There's either you either. When you're thinking when you're thinking the NCAA tournament, you're either going like talent or like team cohesiveness. UVA is one of those teams where it's not like they're not one of the more they're not the most, out of the one seats. They're probably not the most talented, but they played 
the best basketball, but I think I see Duke uh, in their region coming out and winning the national championship. I'm so surprised to hear you say that team cohesiveness is one of the biggest things because to me it's always guard play. Guard play always gets you the gets you the dubs in the NCAA tournament unless you're Kentucky and you have Anthony Davis. Um, but along those lines, I'm picking Kansas because I think Devontae Graham's the best player in the country. I think he's the best guard in the country. And I think that the Midwest part of the bracket that they're playing in is not that is gonna be filled with upsets. So I think that they're just not gonna have a really hard path to get there. I think that you know, Excuse Michigan me? Yeah, first round. Well, <laughs> outside well, I mean, of the we're, we're, outside we're of the round one matchup at Penn, we're, we're assuming that they make it through that. We're gonna put them through the ringer, and, and yeah. if they actually make it through, yeah, you know, Bill Self, they will be a tried and tested. Bill tried. Self, I, I mean, there, I heard there were reports. Bill Self, he grabbing his collar, sweat beaming down his face. I mean, Matt, what if Jackson Donnie had seven threes off the bench and said, oh, "American yeah. hero, right we, there, just you the know, darling we, of America." We, we we tried to contact Bill Self for this podcast. He had no comment. So right, we should be clear that we didn't actually try to contact Bill We did not try to contact In a loose sense. <laughs> but if you would love to come on for an interview next week, we'd Bill love Self, to have Bill Self, love to come on. Shout You're out Bill Self. welcome anytime. <laughs> I will be sending this to your kansas.edu email. <laughs> Is that public? I'll find it. So, so hear me out, though. Hear me out, though, on Kansas. In their part of the bracket, they have Michigan State and Duke, but those teams are going to have to play one another if they end up getting to their spot. So... You know, they're already going to have one of those teams knocked out. And I don't... Did Michigan State beat Duke earlier in the season? I... Oh, Duke beat Michigan mm. State. I think oh. that's one of the preseason tournaments. Yeah. Oh, that was a while ago. Though. Yeah, I mean, either way, I mean, I just don't think that their their toughest game is going to come until maybe the Elite Eight or the Final Four. So I think they're just going to be... They're going to be in prime position to make a really deep run. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to answer this. Oh, soft. 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 I'm not, I'm not picking know. against Penn. You're not going to miss. I'll take Penn. I'll take Penn. Um, at 8.48 p.m., and I'm predicting that Penn basketball will win it all. My name is Joseph Whiteson, by the way. Joseph Whiteson has been promptly fired from the Daily Times <laughs> <laughs> for gross incompetence. <laughs> well, that, we love that, hot takes here. We love hot takes. And that pure display of softness from Yossi, I think it's a great time to do our hard-nosed player of the week. So uh, in honor of Cole being here, he is going to be judging... Um, the award that is named after uh, in his honor. I once rather. punched his nose and my hand hurt for a week. <laughs> <laughs> he is the most interesting man in the world. Um, so my hard-nosed player of the week is going to Caleb Wood. Um, Penn would not have won the game against Harvard today without him. He had a ton of clutch threes down the stretch in the second half after not having a very good first half. And quite frankly, without him or Ryan Bentley, they just don't win. And so I think that he deserves the hard-nosed player of the week for helping lead Penn to victory. Without question, A.J. Broder. Uh, I think I've already nominated him before, but two double-doubles in the Ivy League in the Ivy League semifinal and championship, I don't know what gets more hard-nosed than that. He, he's probably, he has the toughest one-on-one matchup of the day with, uh, with Chris Lewis. We've already talked about him enough earlier in the podcast. And, you know, there's few players who really bang it down low like he does. And I think without question, A.J. Broder has been the toughest player on Penn's court over the past weekend. And, no, their Penn at basketball hasn't had a bigger weekend in its history in the past, in the past decade. You know, uh, some in the office have disputed my ability to choose my candidate for hard-nosed player of the week, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. I choose Coach Steve Donahue. Uh, first. <laughs> how did anyone not? How, someone has to choose Darnell. 
Well, the thing is, if I if I if I was between Darnell and AJ, if I didn't choose Darnell, then I would, how could no one choose AJ? You don't choose a guy who has two double doubles. Come on, Darnie, Darnie is creepy. Don't choose Darnell. You know what? No one picks Darnell, but Darnell is an option to pick. Darnell, yeah. Darnell would also, be the I want to shout out Ryan Belly real quick too. Five points. All right, all right, all right, all right. This is Cardinals right. Player of the right. Week, not Yossi talks about the... Donnie is not a player! <laughs> <laughs> he does not play on the court. <laughs> Didn't you just get fired from the defense? Uh, <laughs> Security! Yeah. Look, Donahue, you know, he has a tough time at Boston College. He comes back to the Ivy League. This is the week, not in the decade. He, I'm, I'm building up to yeah, it's it. It's a life story. He, he comes to Penn, comes back to the Ivy League, and Penn is in a, a slump, all right? We've been... They were know, bad. <laughs> this has been a tough ride, and now he's finally done what he came here to do. He brought a championship. No one has discounted the job he's done. And he's done he a did great a great job. job in this game, he's a great all right? Coach. You know, um, there's a lot of decisions that, that we discussed, like giving Rothschild minutes or not, uh, the bench rotations, you know, the usage of people like Wood and Silpy that we've talked about all season. Now and Donahue. And uh, now Donahue, right? And he brought it together, and this was a close, hard-fought matchup. And I, I think there's no question that if he doesn't, uh, you know, do this e- exactly as well as he did, and you know, setting up those defensive matchups and uh, getting, getting, uh, running those plays, getting people in position to score the way that they did, you know, it, we only won by three points. M- maybe Penn doesn't win at all. So. The argument you're making was great for Ivy League Coach of the Year, but you're talking about Hard-Nosed Player of the Week as in a player who steps on the court and tries to score. And that's right, not he, what he, he does. Ran out and no one scores better times. than Caleb Wood, baby. Uh, actually, there are a lot of players that have more points. Surface including A.J. Broder. <laughs> Steve Donahue was out on that court many times, yelling, calling plays, yelling at the refs, doing all sorts of things. He was as much a force on that court as any player. There were three players who had more points than Caleb Wood, so I think to give him the award based off scoring, uh, it would be a little bit preposterous. I mean, we're gonna let, hey, this is Cole's award. Coach Steve Donahue had as many as many points as starter Max Rothschild. Ryan so. Belliott possibly had like the quietest, what was it, 17 points? Yeah, 17. And he did that a day after he was just completely cold. Do just nominate the entire team? Let's nominate the entire <laughs> team, yeah. Cole, just take your pitch. Um, and needless to say, the job Steve Donahue has done is phenomenal from 4-10 and 10 in 2014-15, but when we got there to 12-2 and in a championship this year, and beyond the numbers, he's instituted a culture of you know, selflessness, of guys caring more about, well, no. you know, care about a championship more than their individual minutes or numbers, but to be real, he's not a player, so you're out. <laughs> um, Good choice, Sam. <laughs> Uh, Caleb Wood, obviously, tremendously cut. Like, just switch oh, my no, you're sick. Uh, you're yeah. you're, yeah. like, you're going mean, to not pick him. I mean, he's, I mean, the journey he's made has been phenomenal, and that's something Coach Donahue actually talked about a lot in the post-game press. We're coming from a small community college in Nevada. He's a quiet guy. You throw him into a Division One program in a big city, something he's never been used to, and he slowly made his way from bench warmer to hitting two threes in the Ivy Tournament Championship. That's something special, but i got to give it to AJ. It's Obviously. it's hard-nosed player of the week, not just the day. So he was great today, but he was even better yesterday. And he's you know, both, both, side, both sides of the ball. He's been Penn's most consistent guy all year, and there's a lot of guys who say this about, but especially him, we're not Ivy Tournament champs without him. So exactly. he dominated both yesterday and today, and I think he's the right guy. So to update, Sam still has zero wins. He has managed to pick zero hard-nosed player of the weeks. I've moved into a tie with Carter. And thank you, Cole, for seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and making the correct choice. Of course, of course.
Well, thank you guys so much again for joining us. We hope you really enjoyed talking the NCAA tournament and all the potential matchups. It's super fun having Penn in, and um, we're really looking forward to them taking on Kansas. Um, thank you so much to our producers, Yossi Weitzman and Lauren Sorrentino. We'll see you guys next week on Penalty Box.